Here, we're talking about relationship playbook, and we are developing our playbook. And in our second, in our second lesson here, we're, we're, we're actually beginning the nitty gritty of what it means to develop this playbook. And so if you have your notebook, um, then I encourage you to grab it and, and start putting things together. <laughs> when we were on our way back home, I got a phone call from Pastor Benton and, and he said, um, it's 15 minutes before church starts. Uh, are you okay? And I said, yes, I'm okay. And he said, all right. I said, man, I really appreciate you uh, checking on us. You know, we're, we're not in a ditch. Uh, we haven't lived in this weather for a while, but we're not in a ditch and everything's fine. He said, no, no, that's all good. But I just wanted to know, do I need to preach? That's all. I just, <laughs> you know, when you're loved, you know, when you're loved. So... <laughs> He wanted to know, what's our relationship going to be today? Am I going to be the preacher or am I not going to be the preacher? So uh, we're, we're, we're developing this relationship playbook because as we learned last week, a relationship playbook is a critical tool in developing strong relationships because it helps us set proper expectations. And so... Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 21, verses 7 through 9, and Mark chapter 15, verses 11 through 14, and John chapter 15, verse 9 today, as we try to identify key roles in life and, uh, and, and um, place those key people in those key roles. And so Matthew chapter 21, verses 7 through 9 says this, They brought the donkey and the colt to him, and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and the others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heavens. I mean, they are going all out in their praise and their worship to Jesus as he's riding in. We call this the triumphal entry because it's everybody's just so excited about Jesus and, and who he is and, and they're, 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 they're showing their adoration to him in a beautiful, beautiful way. And then we read Mark chapter 15. And this is just a few, few short weeks after Matthew 21 is written. He says, but at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime is he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. Now here's the thing you need to re remember about Jerusalem. It is not a massive city at this point. It's, it's not. And it's quite likely that those who were on the street shouting, Hosanna, were also in the crowd shouting, Crucify. The same people, but a very different moment and a very different message coming from their life. What's interesting also is that Jesus does not judge them harshly. He doesn't judge them harshly. He's not angry at them. Because they were playing the role in his life that they were meant to play in that moment. 
As we talk about this relationship playbook and we start breaking down these different roles, you're going to find that different people may play slightly different roles in your life in different moments. And it's important to know what they are so that you can have proper expectations. Jesus expected these things to happen from these people and he was not angry with them. So today we're looking at the roles of fans and cheerleaders in your life. They're the, they're the outer ring of influence that you will have. And they have different names. They have different titles. They can be co-workers. They can be schoolmates. They can be uh, people that you uh, go to church with. They can be people in the community around you, your neighbors. Uh, they can even be friends of yours. They can be family members. These, these folks can, can have different names, different faces, different titles in their life. But, but they, they, their influence is similar. Their role is similar. And in fact, these two groups of people should have the least amount of influence in your life. And they are also some of the easiest people to be drawn toward. They're the easiest people to give the greatest or undue influence to. So our big idea today is this. Some people are for you, but not with you. They're for you, but not with you. Appreciate them, but keep their influence to a minimum. They're with you. They're, uh, they're for you, rather, but they're not with you. They're, they're cheering you on, but they're not fighting your battle. These folks are good people, and you're going to hear me say this repeatedly in this, this series. These are good people. There's nothing wrong with these people. They're not bad people, but they will both cheer you and condemn you, and sometimes they'll do it really close together. He's the greatest. Fire him. <laughs> Going into the game, you're the hero. Coming out of the game, you're the villain. Same person. Just slightly different mentality. Now, the structure of these lessons are a little bit different, and you notice in your notes you have a, a lot more notes than you typically do. Take as many as you can. Take as many as you'd like to. No, no forcing it. If you see something on the board that you like, take a picture of it. If you don't have a notebook and you want to take, keep the information, take a picture. I believe it's going to help you in your world. But, so let, let's start breaking down these, these people called fans in our world. In the, they're in the arena. They're there to watch the game. They're, they're spectators. And in fact, there are more of these folks than there are any other position or role in the stadium. If you had more players than fans in the stadium, you're, you're not a very popular team. You're not a very popular player. There's, there's something wrong there. So, so there are more fans than there are anything else in the stadium. And the, these fans, they're just kind of... They're just kind of watching what's happening. They're not actively involved in what's going on on the field. The, the, the fans, as we get into these facts about fans, our fact number one is simply this. Fans self-identify. I, I did it last week. I don't have anything cool to do today. Sorry, I, I thought about levitation, then I thought that'd be weird, so I stopped right there. But last week I turned around and I, and I took off my outer jacket and I had a um, number 12 jersey on. And, and they didn't do as well as I thought that they were going to. And I'm, I commend all the Eagles fans and, and yay for you. 
And uh, it was a great game. I, I, no, no shame in the game at all. And so it was good. I, I, I enjoyed it. But I self-identified. You didn't know what jersey I had on. You didn't even know I had a jersey on. But these folks will self-identify by revealing your influence in their life. They'll, they'll, they'll wear your colors. They'll wear your jersey. They'll put their name on things in your life. They'll quote you. They'll, they'll say, oh, Joe said these words, or Jim said these, or Mary said these words. And, and, and they will reveal their influence by how they talk about you and, in fact, how they reveal you to others. And In fact, sometimes they know your words and they know your stats better than you do. A couple of years ago, I was at a, a church and I and and uh, someone come, came up to me and they they said they asked me a question about something and I and I said I, I don't really know I need to I need to kind of look into that and they said well three years ago you said this this and this about it <laughs> well <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't recall uh, <laughs> the um, the. The, uh, yeah, good. Uh, maybe I did. I, I don't remember. And, but they did. And they, they revealed to me that they, they were keeping track of the words that I said. And, and I honor that. I, I'm thankful for that. But sometimes the fans in your life will know about your schedule and know about the things that you're doing even better than you. And these are not stalkers. These aren't people to, to be, <laughs> that you have to guard yourself against. They, they are just simply people who are very interested in your life and you have become influential in their world in one way or another. Fact number two is this. Fans are admirers, but they're not deeply connected with you. They offer support. They, they, they pay for the game. The fans pay for the game. And so sometimes the, the, the good things that come into your life will be because the fans pay for it. I promise if we stop paying to see football and to watch football and to go to the games and to buy the $4,000 know, Cokes there and, and so on, if we stop doing that, then you want to talk about player salaries coming down. That's one surefire way to make that happen. It will no longer be, they'll no longer be able to pay the players the way that they are because the fans won't support it. And in fact, the fans support you. They support you. Sometimes they support you by making up your crowd and expanding your influence. They, they tell other people about you. They, they, they talk about you in, in positive manners. And so people around will suddenly know who you are and you do not know who they are. Because your fans are spreading your name in a positive manner. Fact number three, they are limitedly invested in you. They are good, they are passionate and well-meaning people, but their relationship is limited. And improper expectations of fans have has caused many great dilemmas and trouble in lives. Because... They're, they're, they're excited about you, they're, they're well-meaning, but their relationship is limited. So building deep and lasting relationships with fans, just it's so appealing. They're cheering your name. They're, they're, they're telling of your great victories. And so you, you, want, to, you want to draw them close and, and just keep... Letting them tell you these wonderful things about yourself. And yet, it's limited. And unfortunately, those relationships usually fail. 
They're faithful to you until they really want a hot dog. You're in a really tough moment in your game and you need somebody to cheer you on and they're like, you know, Bratwurst sounds really good right now. And so they, they exit the stadium and they go find themselves something to eat. If something else comes up in life, they like you, but this other thing takes priority. There, there are times that, that my grandfather and I, would, we would watch football together. He was a big LSU fan, and, and so he, when LSU was playing, I would try to watch the game, and he'd watch the game, and we'd call each other and talk. But there were many times when, when he'd call me up and say, hey, are you watching the game? And I'd say, no, sir, I'm not able to watch the game today. Why? Because something else took priority over the game. I, I wasn't, I, I'm a fan, but, but I'm not deeply connected. And so if something else happened, that's, that's what I'm going to give my time to. And that's exactly what the fans of your life will do as well. Something else can gain their attention. And because they are not deeply connected with you, they're not going to give up those things in order to continue to help you or cheer you or bless you in some way. Fact number four is that the fans' attachments are conditional. They're conditional. They'll support you as long as you are giving them what they need. Now, I have to put a slight caveat here for Browns fans. They are special. They will support you for no reason that I can discern. God bless them. But most fans won't. As, as long as you are doing what they want, as long as you're performing at the level that they expect and desire, they are your fan. But if you stop performing at that level, they're not there anymore. Case in point, the team's going, team's on top, the team's hot, it's, it's going well, and so the fans are cheering there right until the very end. Yes, yes, go, go, team, go. But if, have you ever seen what happens in a game when once the fans recognize their team's not coming back from this defeat? <sighs> Empty seats. I, watched a, uh, I was watching a game one time and I watched the television uh, station do everything possible not to show the seats behind the field goal posts. Because every time that kicker got up to kick, there was nobody there. They were, they were changing angles and suddenly we were seeing field goals from angles that have never previously been forced, been seen because they did not want to show that the stadium had just emptied out because the team was doing so poorly. They cheer when you're hot, but they go home early if you're not. And there's no accountability there. There's no, there's no dependability because to the fan, you are an escape. You're not their life. And if you try to attach yourself in a way where, where suddenly this is deep and meaningful and, and this is life itself, you're going to find yourself disappointed. I know people who have married a fan. And when life got going just a little way down the road, 
Suddenly the marriage was over because they really didn't sign up for this. That's not really what they were thinking when they made this, this uh, connection. They, they, they saw all the wonder and all the grandeur and they saw everything that this person brought to the table. And, and they said, yes, yes, yay, yay. And because they were cheering so loudly, the person mistook it for commitment in their life and, and soon found themselves completely disappointed. Don't build a business with a fan. Don't build a, don't build a marriage with a fan. Don't, don't have a baby with a fan. Don't, don't, don't. Because when things get tough, they're gone. When real life hits, when you don't live up to what it is they expected somehow, they're not there to fight the battle with you. They're there to cheer you until something else comes up. Ultimately, it's not about you. It's about the fan. And that limits you, that hurts you if you don't accept that limitation. So some people say, well, then forget it. I just won't have fans. I'm just going to do life without fans. You don't have a choice. The fans self-identify with you. You don't choose your fans. And ultimately, you need the fans. You need somebody to like your picture on Facebook. Somebody. You need somebody to, to appreciate the joke that you told that nobody close to you appreciates whatsoever. But your fan, they'll laugh regardless. You, you, need, you need people in your life that are going to cheer you on at times. You need to be okay with that. A sports team without fans is bankrupt. A player without fans is unknown. You simply need to correct the relationship. They're going to be there. And you need to understand that this person that's talking to you about all this stuff, they are really a fan, and that's the role you need to allow them to play. So what, do you, what should you expect? What's the proper relationship with a fan? The proper relationship is this. You must adopt an attitude that is humble, appreciative, and kind. Never be demanding, expecting or attached. Never be demanding, expecting, or attached. Sign autographs when they ask you to. Somebody walked up to me one time and said, Hey, can you sign this for me? I've never been asked for an autograph in my life. And I have no idea why I was asked for an autograph in that moment. A very kind person in Texas Asked me for my autograph. So I signed it. I've never expected another person on planet earth to ask me for my autograph again. And when somebody, when, when I walk through here and none of you ask me for my autograph, I'm not disappointed when I go home. Everything's okay. We good. Because they asked, but I don't expect this to happen in my life. Jesus never refused praise. He received it from anyone who gave it. They say, well, he's the son of God and you are his child. You are saved in him. You have put on Christ. You don't get to choose who's going to cheer you on. When he rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, the whole city came out and he let them worship without a word. Be happy when they're there, but don't expect them at every game. 
Those lining the roads and cheering for Jesus as he made his way in on the colt, uh, they could have turned out in force whenever he was standing there in front of Pilate, but they didn't. And he wasn't angry with them. He wasn't angry with them. He was crucified and most of those who had cheered him and said, Hosanna, they weren't even there. And he was okay because he knew which role they were playing. So in your life, play every single down. Don't hold back for anything. If the fans are there, play hard. If the fans are not there, play hard. You want them there, but your performance can never be tied to their attendance or their support in that moment. The same people who are cheering you today could be booing you tomorrow, and you have to continue to play your game of life with or without them to the best of your ability. That's your fans. The final word on fans is this. The relationship is strictly on their terms. There's no reciprocity there. And by getting in your head, they can affect your game, but they cannot affect your game if you put them in the right role. The summary is this. We're grateful for them, but we're not dependent on the fans in life. We're grateful, but we're not dependent. And that takes us to the cheerleaders, and they're a little bit different because they're a lot closer to you. They're closer to you. They, they lead the cheers and applause, and they're the people that are going, Go, go, go! Everybody cheer for this team. Everybody cheer for this person. And they're enthusiastic and vocal in their support. And they're identified because they're closer to you and they're identified with you. They wear the same colors as you do. They're, they're going to be at every single game and they're engaged in the atmosphere and they're, they're going to wear your colors and identify with you. They're, they're going to be cheering you demonstratively when no one else does. They're up there going, doing all this. See, this is why God didn't call me to be a cheerleader. And, and so this is, this is what they're doing and it's exciting and it's good. They're encouraging others to cheer for you as well. They'll not leave you in the middle of a game. If everyone else leaves, your cheerleaders are still going to be there cheering you on. Their cheering is not based on performance. They'll cheer you when you're doing well and when you're doing poorly. But here's the facts. Cheerleaders are few in number and they're close in proximity. And you need to appreciate them because your cheerleaders may be the only people smiling at you at some point. At one point, you might look up and no one else is even happy to be there, and yet your cheerleaders are still going for you. Fact number two, the improper positioning of cheerleaders is easy and dangerous. And if you don't get anything else about cheerleaders, get this aspect of it. Consistent cheers make them seem loyal. But their loyalty is not to you personally. And I've seen a lot of people get caught up in this. This person is cheering and cheering and cheering, and so they're so excited, and they say something like, you know what, I've worked in this company for 10 years, I'm going to launch my own company. And, and this person, I know this person, a key employee, a key person in the company, they're going to come with me and help me. Have you talked to them? No. But they have, they have been in my right hand. They have supported me. They have cheered me on from, from the day I got into this company, and, and man, they just, uh, they're, they're really there with me at all times. And so, here I am, I'm going to launch my own company and they're going to come with me and I know this is how it's going to work, only to be incredibly disappointed because this individual left 
the corporation that they were working for, and the one they thought was going to follow stayed right where they were. They just simply found another person to cheer for. Why? Because their loyalty wasn't personal. Something else caused them to cheer for that individual. Their loyalty was to the company, and as long as this person was with the company, they were on board with them. They were behind them. They supported them. But as soon as that person left the thing that connected them both, suddenly the connection was gone. And now they, the person at the company, the cheerleader, just, just simply started cheering for someone else. Joseph, the Pharaoh's butler, was a, was a, he experienced, Joseph rather experienced the cheerleader in the Pharaoh's butler. The butler was blessed by Joseph. Joseph interpreted his dream and, and, and he, the butler was like, yes, I'm gonna, everybody needs to know about this. I'm, I'm for you. Man, Joseph, you are from God. But after he was restored to his position in Pharaoh's house, two years went by before Pharaoh said, I've had a dream and, and somebody better interpret this or I'm gonna start killing people. And the butler goes, oh, wait a minute. I remember something. There's this guy in prison named Joseph that I met him and he interpreted my dream. The butler was a fan or cheerleader of Joseph's because he only remembered him whenever it would benefit Pharaoh. Pharaoh was where his true loyalty lied, not Joseph. Don't put your eggs in the basket thinking they're going to bring them along when you should be counting on them as a cheerleader. Fact number three, the, the cheerleader is always around, but they're not engaged in your game. They will cheer you, but they can't make a single block for you. They will cheer you, but they can't stop anyone from hitting you. They will cheer you, but they can't carry the ball for you. They're not engaged in your game, and they'll change through the seasons of life. Sometimes there'll be age that changes them out or fitness or maybe their focus changes because they're not there for you personally. They're there for another purpose entirely. So what's the correct relationship? The proper relationship is this. We adopt an attitude that is welcoming and receiving while recognizing their purpose and not getting too attached. When no one else is cheering you, the cheerleader will be there for you, cheering you on. (laughs) But at some point, they're going to go away. In a difficult moment, they will still, still cheer. When no one else is there, the cheerleader can still uplift you. And they intentionally encourage you even when you are wrong. When you try to put them in a place of influence and, and hey, what do you, what do you think I should do? Go, go, go. Oh, God should go then. They may not even know the rules to the game you're playing. Because their job is not to strategize with you. Their role is to simply cheer for you until you separate from the thing that they're actually loyal to. So the final word on cheerleaders is they'll benefit you with encouragement for a time. Only by misidentifying them can they affect your game negatively. But their input is not needed for your success. 
that's not needed. So receive their praise, but don't make decisions based on it. My nana was a cheerleader in my life. Now, she was many things, but over the time, over the course of time, she became a cheerleader. She did not understand what planting a church meant. She, she could not. She had never planted a church before. And, and I would call her and say, no, no, uh, I, here's, here's the thing I'm working on. Here's the thing I'm, I'm trying to, uh, deal with. And, and she would say, hey, bebe. She, my nanol was the only person to ever call me bebe, so don't ever call me bebe. Uh, but the, uh, so, so she would say, hey, bebe. Uh, you know, I think you're one of the smartest people on the planet. I think you can do anything and God's spirit is in you and with you and he's going to help. What, what was she doing? She was cheering me on. Didn't even understand the rules of the game I was playing, but she knew for a fact I was going to win. When everything was going down and things were difficult, she still cheered me. And I loved her for it. But the day that I was standing there, family all around was standing there, and Papa was holding her hand, and, and she took her last breath, and she went from time to eternity. I missed her. I miss her still. Incredible lady. But I couldn't stop there because Nanal was gone. I had to continue to move forward in life. I had to allow her voice, even still today, sometimes I'll be driving down the road and it's almost like she's sitting there next to me saying, hey, baby, you're going to do just fine. Sometimes I need that. It's possible to appreciate a person without depending on their support. And your fans and your cheerleaders are your outer ring of influences and influencers. They have a limited, limited effect on your game, but they play a, a wonderful and important role. And if properly positioned and identified, they can bring you great blessing and joy. Now some people, they say, well listen, I just want people in my life who are going to help me Take the hit and and play the game and, and make the score. I encourage you today, make room in your life for those willing to cheer you as long as they can. Don't shut yourself off from that. It will bless you and benefit you. Don't take them for granted. But don't attach your performance to their cheers either. They cannot be the greatest influences of your life. Disappointment comes when you rank their influence too highly. You may like what you hear. In fact, you'll often like what you hear. But their motivations are different than yours. I encourage our young people, I encourage our business Folks, I I encourage all of us to take a... You you might say, well, I don't have anybody in my life that's a cheerleader. And And I would say you probably do and don't know it. I don't have anyone in my life that's a fan. You probably do and don't know it. Look for them. 
Recognize them. But don't place them in a, in a position they aren't designed for. Let them cheer you. But don't rely on it. Jesus wasn't angry with the crowds that shouted Hosanna and then shouted crucify. I would have been. You think I'm the Savior, but then you also think that I need to be put to death? It's not easy. Because when we properly position people in our lives, it can seem like some folks that we know and love are getting further and further away. As we, as we position them properly in life, it might seem like, well, I, I wanted that person to be the influence in my life. And, but if that's not what they're designed for, you don't want them to influence your life that much. And so it seems like we're getting further and further and further away. So we must intentionally become closer to the one who is always in our inner circle. John chapter 15 verse 9 says this. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. This morning as you begin to identify fans and cheerleaders in your life over the week. I encourage you, don't try to do it by yourself. Do it within the context of His love for you. Let His love be the greatest influencing force in your life. And as you begin to put these people in proper roles, you're going to find that your life gets better and better. Your walk with Christ gets stronger and stronger. You begin to operate more and more confidently. Your stress level goes down. Your success goes up. And ultimately, God will be glorified through your life. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word and your work. We thank you for what you're doing in us and through us today. And we're asking you that you would give us the courage to be able to put people in their right positions. They're not bad people. This isn't a commentary on those that are around us. This is a, a proper positioning so that we can walk with confidence and success. For the fans and the cheerleaders of our lives, we, we are grateful, we are thankful. And we are asking you, mighty God, that you would give us the wisdom to be able to negotiate these relationships properly so that we can be strong and they can be strong and all can live lives of fulfillment and happiness. That somehow through all of it we can make your name famous. That you can be magnified and glorified. That your name will be praised. We give you thanks and praise for that today. In Jesus name. Amen.